is that uh, he keeps you on your toes, you know. And uh, <clears throat> I was, I'd prepared the second message on grace for tonight. I shared that this morning, that I was going to share more on grace. But now I'm not because the Lord's told me to share something else. So <laughs> you've got to go with the flow of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I think it'll set the scene for what I believe God wants to do with us before we go tonight. Um, so bear with me because I've got no notes on this whatsoever, but I'm just going to go for it. You know, the Bible says um, to be prepared in season and out of season. So this is kind of out of season, but here we go. Go in the Luke chapter 3. <clears throat> Luke chapter 3. And Holy Spirit, I thank you that you are the boss. And you are in charge, not just of me, but of this evening and of what we're doing here. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would help me. Communicate what you want to say so we can, it'll set the stage, if you like, for what you want to do through the words that have said. Father, I ask that every heart in this room would be open to you this evening, would be open to an encounter with you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Okay, Luke chapter 3. <clears throat> I'm going to read from verse 16. John answered them all. I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come. The sandal straps of whom I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And with many other words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to them. This is a really powerful scripture. And so often, I think, with powerful scriptures, we are still receiving revelation on it. And as I was over there, God gave me some revelation on this scripture, so I'm going to share it with you very quickly here. First thing the Lord said to me is that... Do you realize, son, and you'll have to check this yourself, but I believe it'll be correct if you do a bit of research, that the place of the skull, the place of Golgotha where the Lord Jesus was crucified, and the Holy Spirit's told me this tonight, I've not researched it, was a threshing floor. The place where he was crucified was a threshing floor. And that place was significant because that was the place not only where he defeated sin and sickness but one of the last things Jesus said in fact the last thing he he said before dying was this father into your hands I commit my spirit father into your hands I commit my spirit now he said that for one reason right at this threshing floor he said it for one reason he was giving up his right as a son to have the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in and around him. He was giving that up so we could receive the Holy Spirit. The church for far too long has ignored the Holy Spirit. The church for far too long has put the Holy Spirit in a box. The church far too long has not allowed the Holy Spirit to move in people's hearts and lives, and through us to other people. Now when I say the church, I'm not blaming the body of Christ. I am actually holding us all responsible, because we all have a lack of hunger and thirst for the Holy Spirit. 
each one of us can increase our hunger and thirst for the Holy Spirit. And what I never saw before in reading this, that I've just seen this evening, it says, and I, that He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in His hand, and He will clear His threshing floor. He will clear the wheat from the chaff. He'll put the wheat in the barn and burn the chaff. And I've never seen this before. When it says, His winnowing fork is in His hand, I've always thought He's talking about Jesus. Well, he's not talking about Jesus, He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. We think he's talking about Jesus because Jesus is the one that baptizes with the Holy Spirit. But then it's talking after that, after we receive baptism of the Holy Spirit and we receive the fire of God, his winnowing fork, the Holy Spirit's winnowing fork, is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor. Why? Because when you became a Christian, when you gave your life to Christ, there was a covenant cut in your heart. Just as there was a covenant cut in the blood of Jesus on that threshing floor. And it was cut in your heart. And you, your heart becomes a threshing floor. And the Holy Spirit comes to separate in our hearts, in my heart and your heart, the wheat from the chaff. That sounds really painful, doesn't it? But it's not painful at all. He comes, if you allow him to, he'll, as I said this morning, he'll separate what is worthy from what is worthless. The way you see yourself in a worthless way. The way you see other people in a worthless way. The Holy Spirit will come and he'll remove that chaff from your heart that says you're worthless. And he'll put in, he'll make sure the wheat is put in the barn in the place of safety and place of protection. He'll put it in the bank, if you like, the bank of your heart, the barn of your heart, the place of sustenance. He'll put the wheat, the wheat is that you're worthy. That you've been forgiven that you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So anything that doesn't line up with the Father's heart for you and I, the Holy Spirit removes it from us. Very important. You see, in the name of the Holy Spirit, a spirit of religion has come into the church to make us sin conscious instead of God conscious. And even this scripture threshing floor, separate the wheat from the chaff. It's all kind of our our job. We've got to do it. No. We allow the Holy Spirit to work with us. We allow the Word of God to work in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is the author of the Word of God. So it's His job, but we've got to allow Him to work in our lives. We've We've got to decide to stop saying things that are worthless and start saying things that are worthy. And if we're struggling in that area, we can ask the Holy Spirit to help us. How do we do that, Jeff? Holy Spirit, help me in this area. You know, God was so interested in our lives. Let me give you a little example. I was, I think it was probably, how many, probably about three three evenings ago. Um, I think it was Tuesday evening because you were supposed to see us, but you weren't well, were you? So I had a free evening. So we were just, we just had a meal, myself and my wife, and, and then put the kids to bed and I was just as you do my wife and I was just chatting chatting and channel flicking have you done that chat with your wife and your channel flick the problem is if you focus on something and you forget what your wife said you're in trouble okay <clears throat> but anyway we were doing that and this advert comes on and it's it's this guy American guy who I recognize as an actor and he has been in some uh, things like 24. If you ever seen 24, he was the president, President Heller in 24. Great old sort of style American actor. And he comes on and he's promoting uh, gold sovereigns, gold coins. 
and he's talking about, you know, you can get this free brochure for gold coins. Now, I'm not particularly into, um, you know, grasping loads of money, but something in me, I thought, well, it'd be nice to own a few gold coins, wouldn't it? It'd be nice to have never had a gold coin. It'd be nice to have a gold coin. And I just thought it in my heart. And then carried on. We carried on chatting. Had a nice evening together. And, and I think we watched something or other. Can't remember what it was. It can't be that good. Anyway, <clears throat> didn't think another thing of it. This morning, Rose's brother, David, came up to me with a gold coin. So this is for you. And I just think that's cool. <laughs> because the Holy Spirit was in my conversation with my wife. We were just talking. I didn't even ask for it. I didn't shabbat abdu for half an hour in intercession about it. I just, he was in our life. Now, that's just an example. You know, I don't, well, I'll go away and think of a Mercedes Benz and hopefully that turns up. I don't know how these things work, but I know that God's interested in every area of our lives. And I just think he just loves to bestow on us stuff that we're not looking for. He's a God that wants to bless us in amazing ways. Oh, I don't believe that. No, what's happening, brothers and sisters, is the Holy Spirit, through what I'm saying now, is clearing your threshing floor. Because some of you think you're not good enough to receive, or you're not religious enough to receive, or God's not interested in prospering you in every way. It's not about money. No, it's not about money. But actually, actually that's a contradiction from the Scripture, because the Bible says in Ecclesiastes that money answers all things. Money is the lowest form of power. And money is a great servant, but a terrible master. But God wants us to use every resource in this earth to get the gospel across. And every vision that you will have in this room for what you want to do will require some kind of finance that God wants to bring in. But it's time for us to start to dream big and start for us to start to believe. So God wants to clear our threshing floors in areas where you say, God, you're not going there. I'm, I've got my theology quite tight in the area. I know what I'm talking about, God. Does that, does that compute with you? I've got my, I know what I'm talking about. God knows what he's talking about. And there's some of our theology we got so tight, some of our ideas of God we got so tight, that I believe God is saying, I've come, uh, Holy Spirit's coming. To, with a winnowing fork to clear our threshing floor. Separate what is wheat from what is chaff. Separate the stuff that is nothing to do with his heart and nature towards us. Separate that from what is his heart and his nature towards us. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. One of the visions that one of the prophets had of, of, of God was this. In Ezekiel chapter 1, you'll find it. One of the visions that the prophet has of God was that he was fire from the waist up and fire from the waist down. Are you all right? Are you to drink? I've not touched it. There you go. He was fire from the waist up and fire from the waist down. So when you looked at God, he just looked like fire. And here it says that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he will baptize you with fire. And if you just bear with me for a moment, when Satan looked at what was happening on the day of Pentecost, and he, he saw Jesus before the day of Pentecost ascend to the Father, he was like, phew, thank God he's gone. Then a few days later, when the Holy Spirit came, suddenly, in an upper room, 
there was 120 people who looked just like God. Fire from the waist up and fire from the waist down. I know we see in our children's Bibles a little flickering candle on the head. That's not what it looked like in the spirit. What happened is that they were immersed in the spirit of God. Fire from the waist up and fire from the waist down. They were completely immersed in the Holy Spirit. In order for that Holy Spirit to immerse you and me, we must be clean before God. In order for us to survive the immersion of the Holy Spirit with fire, we must be clean before God. Now I'm saying we've got to make ourselves clean. No, we've already been made clean by the blood of Jesus. So we are well able and well fitted to receive the Holy Spirit. We may be earthen vessels, but we are able because of what Jesus has done for us to receive the Holy Spirit, move in the Holy Spirit, and be just like our Father in this earth. Now for 2,000 years, the, <clears throat> the enemy has tried to question and say, does God really say that? Does God really do that? He's tried to unwork what God did on Pentecost. Just think about it. In the space of a few hours, there was these 120 that looked just like God. In the space of a few hours, there was 3,000 that just looked like God. I mean, the devil's getting pretty worried by this time. 3,000 looking just like God. With God's ability in them. With the very fire of the Holy Spirit within them. If this carries on, Bob, Bob, by the way, is, is Satan's right-hand man. If, Bob, if this carries on, Bob, we're in trouble here. We're in real trouble. 3,000. 3,000. Just like God. 3,000. Think about some of the people that were just like God. A man called Peter who weeks before had denied Jesus. Remember his pronunciation in law and in self-effort and religion. I will never renounce you, Jesus. He renounces him three times. But that same man a few weeks later didn't have to go through a five-year recovery program from denying Jesus. A few weeks later, with the fire of the Holy Spirit, stood up and with the gospel he proclaimed, 3,000 people gave their lives to Christ on that day. And more important than that, when it says he stood up with the 11, you know what the other 11 were doing? They were speaking the gospel in other languages so other people who were in Jerusalem could hear it. So there was 12. 12 different preachings of the gospel in different languages in Jerusalem. You know the number of 12 in the Bible means this? The government and authority of God has come. And what did that Holy Spirit do when he first immersed those people? It says that they spoke in tongues and prophesied. What did the Holy Spirit do when he came into those people's lives? He took over the most important organ in their bodies, their tongue. James says this, if you can rule your tongue, you're a perfect man. So the Holy Spirit said... Okay, I'm Lord now, so you're going to speak what I want you to speak. Can I suggest to you that tongues and prophecy is the language of rule in the kingdom? 
That's why the Bible says don't despise prophecy. Because if we start despising prophecy and start despising speaking in tongues. And we've kind of got into this really nice kind of religious pattern of. Oh don't worry if you don't speak in tongues. Don't worry if you don't prophesy. I don't want to get you offended. I don't want to offend you. I just want you here. Have a coffee. Sit down. Have a sandwich. That's what church is about. Don't worry about anything else. No it's not. We are here to take over the world. We are here to take over the world. And it starts with allowing the Holy Spirit to take over our world. To separate what is worthless from what is worthy. To start to affect our mind. Why does he affect our tongue? In the speaking in tongues and prophecy. Because the Bible says there is power of life and death in the tongue. So he wants to affect the way we speak and the way we think. He wants us a, a body as, as, as the Apostle Paul prayed. To be wholly filled And flooded with God himself. One of the things the enemy did to try and discourage the church from all that they were in Christ. He brought in different ideas that set themselves up against the knowledge of Christ. And one of these ideas was that somehow you've got to attain for yourself righteousness. It's not just the work of the Holy Spirit. You've got to do it yourself. And there's a scripture in Hebrews 10 that I want us to go to. So go to Hebrews 10. And I think scriptures like this misinterpreted are the reason why so many Christians aren't courageous. There's not much passion in the church because of misinterpretation of these kind of scriptures. So we're going to look at it together right now. Hebrews Chapter 10. And I'm going to read from verse 22. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. And having our bodies washed with pure water, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. These are pictures now of what the Holy Spirit does. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up the habit of meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. I'm going to pause there. The reason I really believe why we don't see church attendance like we did in charismatic churches probably 20, 30 years ago is because people have lost their hope. They've been disillusioned. Maybe they've been hurt by leaders or other people in the church. Maybe they've lost their way. Maybe they were expecting something that didn't happen. The Bible says hope deferred makes the heart sick. But I really believe that God is desirous to move again across the earth, and particularly in our nation, and particularly in Yorkshire, I really believe that. And he's looking for people that are, are going to be, be completely, utterly open to surrender to him, and not surrender to him in a way that you try and do it your own strength, but say, God, you can take over. Holy Spirit, you can winnow your fork and move the way the chaff I don't want the chaff to define my life, my emotions, my mind anymore. I want your goodness and your weak to strengthen me. 
and to give me hope and sustenance for the future. And I, and I really believe that, that we've kind of lost our way. I think, I think we've lost a few battles. We've not understood authority. We've overemphasized sovereignty. So whatever happens in the church where it's negative stuff, we kind of believe it's God's will. And we've kind of moved away from some of the revelation that God brought uh, to the church. And, and we've kind of sat back and we've not taken hold of that for which Christ took hold of us for. But I believe it's time to do that. Amen. I'm going to read on with, the, with, with this in mind. There's a call. It says, let us draw near. Okay, now listen to this. If we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there is no sacrifice of sins left, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Anyone who rejected the law of Moses died without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think a man deserves to be punished who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, who has treated as an unholy thing the blood of the covenant that sanctified him, and who has insulted the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of grace? Oh my word, this is heavy stuff, huh? And I remember being taught that in a way that created such fear in my heart. And on a casual reading without the context, you can create fear in your heart. But the scripture's not there to create fear in your heart. The scripture's there for consolation, comfort, and hope, to edify you. So that's what this scripture's here for. The context of the scripture is let us draw near to God. Let us draw near to God. We have full access to God. The whole of the book of Hebrews was written, here's a revelation, to the Hebrews. And the whole of the book of Hebrews was written against what is called apostasy. That means this, literally it means this, that you start in grace, but then you think you've got to do it yourself, and you carry on in law. So when it says, if you deliberately keep on sinning, it's specifically talking about the sin of apostasy. It's not talking about Every sin you can make, name out there. It's talking particularly about apostasy. Am I saying, oh great Jeff, we're off the hook, we can sin left, right and centre. No, because if you really encounter God, you're not going to want to mess about with that stuff. Yeah. What I'm saying here is this can be a reason why people lose hope because they think they've lost the salvation if they mess up. Some Christians, they may be going through an habitual sin problem that's lasted a long time they can't get out of. Uh, maybe there's something they've done wrong in their past that they feel totally ashamed of. And even though they become a Christian, even though they've been baptized, which has all had a wonderful effect on them, sometimes at the weakest moments when they're tired and when stuff just rubbish stuff just happens, they come back to the same problem. And then, instead of finding hope, the enemy twists the scripture. Well, how can you think you are a Christian when you're doing this? You're trampled. There's no sacrifice left for you. I remember getting to a place in my own walk with God where I was moving powerfully in gifting, even as a teenager. But these sort of scriptures used to make me so afraid and so utterly bound by religion. And no matter how hard I tried, I didn't change. But this scripture is not talking about those things. It's talking about the sin of apostasy. It's saying, when you've received grace, don't trample the blood of Jesus by going back under law. When you've received mercy, 
Don't rehearse with your own mouth the mistakes you've made. That's trampling the blood of Jesus underfoot. You're snared not by God, but by the words of your mouth. And it says that this kind of behavior insults, grieves the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of grace. In fact, one translation says, it blooming well, this is a Yorkshire translation, it blooming well infuriates him. You know the Holy Spirit gets angry? Gets angry with people who are just messing about. Nothing wrong with getting angry as long as you don't sin. There's time to get angry. And why does he get angry with people who are messing about? Because really it's not them that are messing about. It's the enemy messing about with them and they just don't realize it. That's the problem with most people who haven't made Jesus Christ the Lord of their life whether they're Christian or not Christian, they think they're in control, but they're most bound people out there. Because you're only free when you come into the liberty of the Spirit. Well, I don't, I don't answer to anybody. You know the most unaccountable people right now are in prison? They're very bound. God wants us to come into the liberty of the Spirit. He wants us to find a confidence again. The Hebrew writer says, don't cast away your confidence, for it will be richly rewarded. What is your confidence in? It's in what Jesus has done. It's in the fact that you carry the very presence of God all around you and in you. It's the very fact that the Holy Spirit is in you, and you've been baptized with fire, and you in the spirit realm and the invisible realm, you look just like your Father. So literally, the Holy Spirit wants to come tonight and do business with each of us. There's stuff that some of us have been holding on to, which is a load of chaff. And he just wants to win out our way. He wants the breath of God to blow that stuff away. He wants to show you how much wheat there is in your life. You know, some people think, Well, I don't know much. I I can't amount to anything. You have great resource in you because many of you, many of you have sat under the word of God and studied the word of God, been ministered to and anointed and anointed other people. You've got a lot to give. Now, you forgive me for saying this, but one one of the shows that I, well, we all like to watch it really as a family when we can is Britain's Got Talent. And... The reason I watch that is not necessarily because it idolizes Simon Cowell, who I don't particularly think needs to be idolized any more than he already is. But I love seeing the gifting that's in people. You know, people who don't realize the gifting they have. People, maybe somebody who's been doing something which we would consider menial in life for many, many years, and they've got this undiscovered gifting. Can I suggest to you that's God-given? Everything good comes from Him. Everything good comes from Him. So there's these little displays of God. Just for a minute, forget this, this, this invisible barrier between Christian and non-Christian. In God's mind, it doesn't exist, by the way. He's reconciled all things to Himself in Christ. Our brothers and sisters out there are those that just need to respond to the fact that they are our brothers and sisters. Anyway. 
But I love watching these programs because it, it just, I, I, just, I just feel like God enjoys watching them as well. When you see one of his creations who finds out something of the gift is placed within them. And they, you know, you see somebody and they, maybe they sing or they dance and then the crowd goes wild and they're kind of surprised. <laughs> because they didn't know they had it in them. And I want to say in all honesty to every single person in this room, and I, I believe everybody in, in this congregation, that I am looking for the day. I am looking for the moment when I can cry, laugh, enjoy, and cheer you on as you discover who you are more and more. As you discover the height the depth, the length, and the breadth of the love of God in you. As you discover the giftings, the purpose, the talents, the peace, the joy, the identity you have. And every time, when, when I saw Shocky walk down the aisle, well, he didn't walk down the aisle, he danced down the aisle. <laughs> And did you notice eventually, maybe it was through some kind of sort of social pressure, but even Moz and Tom started dancing as well down there. But just the seeing the journey this man has been on, knowing his history amongst you as a community, and enjoying the journey he's been on. I was on the phone to him before coming here, and he's in tears, you know. Oh, I'm so grateful, it's so wonderful, and I'm in tears because I'm thinking... It's just so awesome that somehow I've been able to be a part of the work of the Holy Spirit in his journey. I know many of you have been as well. And God wants us to be the best coaches, the best people to come alongside and say, you can do it. No matter what life has happened to you, no matter what traumas you've been through, no matter how many people have written you off, the Holy Spirit says you are worthy enough to receive my presence and my power. You are worthy enough to be my representative in this earth. That is the highest calling possible. You know, and religion has sometimes done this to us. You know, if you've got a talent, if you've got a gifting, maybe you're a beautiful dancer, like me, or a, or a beautiful singer. <laughs> Or maybe you're creative, maybe you're an artist, maybe you just just the, the best. You know, there's, there's one person I know of, um, a friend of ours, and she just excels in hospitality, a lady in the Midlands. You know, you just go to her home, and it's like, you know, you just feel like you're in a five-star hotel. You know, she just does just so much to make you feel welcome. Whatever it is, all the giftings that we can name, so many are out there. God wants those giftings to be completely and utterly liberated in his community and through his community to the world. He wants that so much. He wants you to discover. And what we've done is, we've had this teaching in the church, well, your gifting is not like your character. So you've got to focus on your character, not on your gifting, because your gifting is not you. Yes, it is. You can't separate the gift that you are, the gifts that God's given you, from your identity. You can't separate it. Stop compartmentalizing God. 
when the Holy Spirit came on you, when the Holy Spirit came in you, he took over everything. Well, it's just, you know, I'm just, just, it's not, you know, don't, don't honor me, it's just the gift. Oh, come on, let's grow up. You know, when I, when I, this morning, when I just honored those people for serving at the wedding yesterday, it was just amazing to look around the room, and one gentleman, as everybody was clapping, one gentleman went, I'm thinking, is there a crack in the ceiling when this room is loads? <laughs> but what it was, it was a religious gesture to say, oh no, I don't want to receive any honor. It's all about honoring God. Yeah. But the thing is, God wants to share his glory with us. Yeah. Doesn't the Bible say in Isaiah that God won't share his glory with another? Yeah, he won't share his glory with a wooden totem pole. Now, let me ask you this question. Answer honestly. Are you a wooden totem pole? No. Way. no. Amen. You're a child in his image, and he wants to share his glory with you. Why? Because like any father, he wants you to be clothed well, think of yourself well, know that you're loved, and know that you're gifted, and know that he's cheering you on. Like any good father, you represent him. And when you shine in his glory, he's glorified. And this hard taskmaster of religion has come in to quench the Holy Spirit and make us poverty-stricken orphans when we're supposed to be glorious sons and daughters of the living God, carrying the very dunamis, dynamite power of the Holy Spirit. Let's stand in his presence. I hope somebody took notes on that because I may preach that again sometime. That was good. <laughs> Close your eyes in his presence. Oh, Lord, we thank you. Oh, Father, let us see what you see in each one of us. Mm. Just sometimes there's no English words, is there? Oh, Father, Father. Father, I ask in this moment, just lift your hands to receive from the Holy Spirit. <coughs> Father.